Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Adrian Rogers once said, it is better to be hated for telling the truth than loved for telling a lie. Not that I want to be hated, but it is better telling you the truth as opposed to telling you something that you want to hear. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I would ask that you consider the following. First, would you please like and share this podcast so others may benefit as well? Second, prayerfully consider becoming a sponsor of this podcast. Your support to The Truth Must Be Told will allow me not only to keep making podcasts and maintaining the website, but your support will also make it possible to level up this program to new platforms so that the Word of God can go forward and reach as many people as possible. You can make your gifts to paypal.me slash salvatorpassos. And if you listen to the show on anchor.fm, you can click the support button. You can also listen on iHeartRadio and view the podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for your support. And please keep listening to The Truth Must Be Told. Hello, happy Saturday to you. Let me ask you a very important question. Do you believe in UFOs, astral projections, mental telepathy, ESP, clairvoyance, spirit photography, telekinetic movement, full trance mediums, the Loch Ness Monster, and the theory of Atlantis? <laughs> well, I don't know if any of you believe in all that, but uh, we're going to take a look today Ah, it's going to be a great show. We are going to be discussing the paranormal today on The Truth Must Be Told. He's just ignorant. He doesn't know any better than to tell the truth. It's the truth. I just want to report the truth. It'll be a nice change of pace. Okay? When in doubt, tell the truth. Edward, I tried to tell the truth, and it kicked me off the air. You can't handle the truth! And now, speaking the truth, even though it hurts, here's the host of The Truth Must Be Told, Sal Passos. All right. Hello, everyone. Yes, and thank you for that. I'm hoping you're having a wonderful weekend so far. Saturday is uh, it's a bit rainy and cloudy down here in Alabama, but we're doing okay. And I'm uh, glad you're here. The audience is growing and growing on a daily basis, and I really appreciate those who are sharing this podcast and getting it out there. So I just uh, want to send a hello and a welcome to you all, and thank you. All right, I do have a bit of an announcement today to begin. Yes, here's a birthday. I want to wish a happy birthday to my granddaughter, Haley, who's turned 15 years old today. Haley, I know you're listening to the program, and I want to say thank you and uh, love you. I haven't seen you in a long time. I hope to see you soon. You take care and enjoy your birthday, girl. Have a, have, have a happy birthday. Happy birthday! Happy birthday from Frosty and your Frosty look-alike grandfather down here in Alabama. <laughs> All right, so on with the show. We've done enough of that stuff. <clears throat> All right, so I want to take on a very serious subject today, and it, it 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 is definitely going to hit home to many, many people out there. As you know, I've made an announcement that I will be discussing the paranormal, and in my research, which I tell you, there is so much out there on the paranormal. And how are we as Christians supposed to look at that? We're going to get into that detail a little bit later, but I want to talk about that today. Now, if you turn on any TV channel, you most likely will find a show dealing with some aspect of the paranormal. Shows such as Ghost Nations, Haunting in the Heartland, 
Portals to Hell, My Paranormal Nightmare, Destination Fear, Ghost Hunters, and there's so many more out there that portray people who have some strange experiences with the dead or the demonic. Now, Paranormal covers a whole aspect of of things, including things like Bigfoot and UFOs. We're going to get into that on another show, but for today, we're going to take a look at the definition of the paranormal, and we're going to look at these ghosts and demons hauntings that we uh, that we see on these shows and we'll discuss the obsession people have with them okay so some uh the definition of paranormal is not scientifically explainable or supernatural now that could be demonic and it could be something from god because god does operate in the supernatural realm he operates above us but normally when we discuss the paranormal we're discussing usually something that's uh, evil. People talk about ghosts and, and seeing things and things like that. So here are some examples of paranormal activity. Okay, we have a ghost, which isn't... Now, this is according to... Uh, let's see, this was... Uh, excuse me, hard to read. I need, uh, I need getting older, so it's hard to see things from time to time. Uh, strategic, strategicabnormal.com. I just was looking up definitions of of uh, paranormal and this is what i got so uh, they're saying a ghost is an image or a sound that is comparable to an audio or video recording and of course and i won't go into their version of what it is because they're well they're actually they're claiming that a ghost is simply residual energy of a person or an animal all right whatever uh we use the term spirit this a spirit or a soul of a person or an animal which has remained in this world after the death of the body All right, poltergeist, we've heard that, we've probably seen the movies. Poltergeist activity is centered around one individual, usually a a, a pubescent child, but it can center around adults who are going through a great deal of stress. Entities, this paranormal activity is associated with beings that have never been human at any time. The entities can be good, as in angels, or evil, as in demons. Most people confuse the intentions of a spirit, to communicate as demons, entities are very uncommon. And then they talk about portal or vortex hauntings, and this is where they claim that a uh, a door opens or some kind of portal or a, or a passageway where things from that side can come into our realm and vice versa, and it would bring about a non-human, human or non-human entities. So... There's a lot of speculation out there, and there's a lot of things to hit in this, in the in this discussion. And I doubt very seriously if this will be the only podcast we do on it. I'm sure people are going to be very, very interested and have lots of questions by the time we get done with this show. All right. So, what do you understand about the supernatural? Now, I know humans. As a human, we enjoy being scared. Hence the overload of horror movies, theme parks, etc., just to raise our blood pressure and our heartbeat. Now, there's always been an infatuation with the demonic and spirits, and that has been throughout history. People always even base some religions on it, on the fact that there are ghosts or ancestors that are still alive and coming back to haunt and whatnot. So there's a lot of that out there, and again, wow. All right, now mediums and psychics claim to make contact with the dead. Now, I'm not sure that you've heard about them. 
excuse me, I back that up. I'm sure that you've heard about some of them, and they're very famous. The Warrens, Ed and Lorraine from Connecticut, are probably the most famous of them all. Many movies are based on their experiences and cases that have been investigated. They are the founding members of the New England Society of Psychic Research, which claims to be the oldest society of psychic research available in New England. So, head be it. Now, Ed was considered to be a paranormal investigator and a demonologist. They were Catholic. Okay? The Warrens and others have recordings and videos of poltergeist activity. Now, these investigators make many claims and explanations. They speak of a doorway or that vortex that I was discussing that the dead or demons pass through from one of the from a, from another dimension to occupy our space or possess a person to wreak fear and to take that person's soul others claim that physical objects are mediums for demonic activity or they hold a curse on those who do not believe i want to just discuss a couple of those i want to just give you some examples of that because people may not you may not believe it but all right, so Annabelle. Annabelle is probably the most famous doll. She's the the she's the uh, she subject of a movie, which that really ugly doll in the movie I probably would never have brought home. But Annabelle is actually a Raggedy Ann doll that was seemingly possessed. The doll was uh, was gifted to a girl named Donna, who received it from her mother, who had purchased it from an antique shop. Now over time, Donna noticed that the doll had a tendency to move you know, from locations throughout the apartment or, or in different positions. Uh, it would sit upright, its legs crossed, that sort of thing. Now, they contacted a medium who told them that the doll was possessed by the spirit of someone who was killed in their building. The Warrens investigated this one as well and determined that it was possessed by a demon. It could not be exorcised, so the Warrens kept it inside, or, yeah, they keep it inside a glass box inside their museum, and there's a big sign in there that says, do not open. Supposedly the glass was blessed by some priest or something, and so they can't, you know, people can't open that box and open that, that case, that showcase, and let it out. Now, there's something called the Dybbuk box. In Jewish mythology, there is a Dybbuk. Now, a Dybbuk is a malicious and possessing demon that's contained inside this strange box. Now, the person who owns this box claims that he had bought it from an estate sale from someone who was a survivor of the Holocaust. A movie of this box was made. It was called Possession. The new owner claims to have experienced uh, strange and frightening things begin uh, happening as soon as he got this thing home, including gates locking on their own, lights going out, terrible noises from the basement where the box was kept. Well, this is just a, another item. Now, there's another famous doll. His name is Robert, who was given to a child named Robert, Eugene Otto, in Key West, Florida, from a servant who practiced black magic. And he disliked the boy's parents a lot. So the parents claim to have heard phantom voices talking from the doll to their son and neighbors reporting to have seen the doll moving from window to window in the Otto home when no one was in the house. Now, it's interesting, you know, the, he named the doll Robert. Robert named the doll Robert and started using his middle name, Eugene, so that they were two separate entities, and it was really freaky. He had a, his own room for the thing, and it was just, just really crazy. And there have been many people that are associated that have taken its 
picture, taken a picture of the doll, and supposedly have received a curse because they took pictures without permission. And they've actually saw a show where they had to apologize to this doll. And it's just, uh, you know, talk about getting out there. All right, so many more examples are out there, but there's way too many to dis- to discuss that. Excuse me, to discuss. And uh, if you just give me uh, about a minute or so, I'm going to take a quick break. And I'll be back right after the break. All right, thank you and welcome back. So in the realm of hauntings or paranormal activity, people have claims that people have claimed to have items thrown across the room, doors opening and closing on their own, loud noises, thumps and bumps, shrieks, horribly offensive odors, interference with electronic devices such as TVs and phones, lights going on and off. And many of these situations are supposedly happening because a spirit of a dead person resides in the homes and they are upset that new people have moved in. Now, I'll tell you, there's a lot of stories about this. There's, there, you know, there was, there's a case in, in uh, right near my old home, uh, my old t- uh, where I used to live up in Connecticut, in Bridgeport. There's a house there on Lindley Street, which I just found out about it recently, just saying that that place was haunted and the Warrens also visited there. Um, there's many, many homes in Stratford that are supposedly haunted. There's a graveyard up in Stepney, supposedly haunted. Now, those are just in the areas. Down here in Alabama, we've got them, too. There's supposedly a ghost tree over on on Church Street in Mobile, Alabama. There are uh, several haunted, supposedly haunted mansions, restaurants. Uh, if, if you watch these shows, you'll see them, and it's absolutely incredible what you watch. And many of the things are unexplained. So where do we go to? To be an to find an expert in this field, now there are many supposed experts out there in the paranormal. But let, let me tell you something, folks. I want to tell you something. I didn't have this in my notes, but I feel I should introduce it right now. Um, several years ago, I got together with a gentleman who was doing uh, illusions, magic. Now, the Bible does condemn magic, all right? But you have to look at the words. The Hebrew word in the Old Testament is kartom, which means casting of spells and drawing of circles and things like that. So that's not what we did. If you look in the New Testament, it talks about uh, magicians. And that phrase, that word is used, is, is actually the Greek word for pharmacy. It's, I believe it's pharmakutos. It means the dispensing of drugs to create a euphoric atmosphere. Now, I don't do that either. All right? So we weren't doing magic as condemned in the Bible. We were doing illusions, sleight-of-hand tricks, and we presented the gospel with it. Now, I thought it was very, very amazing to see. Now, as I did these things and learned the techniques and the secrets behind magic, and it really is fun, I do enjoy it. I haven't done it in years. My gear is still sitting in my warehouse. But you begin to get experience, and you watch a magician on TV, and you say, oh, I see how he's doing that, because you do it yourself. The magicians on TV are doing, for the most part, things that uh, 
I would do on a small part, but to a grander scale, but it's all the same technique. It's just more show there. Now, I'm saying all this to say that, uh, to, 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 uh, to tell you that there are many, many mediums out there and tricksters, they are magicians, so to speak, because they are, uh, they're doing a show. So they want people to, to be enticed. Now, when I was growing up, one of the biggest men that I used to watch and was fascinated by was a guy called the Amazing Kresgen. Kresgen was able to do all kinds of crazy things. He could, you know, he could bend metal. He can, you know, he was able to predict certain things. He was able to do, you know, he did all of these things. And I was totally amazed. Tried, you know, when I was younger, not a Christian, I tried using ESP and psychic, tried to get things to move on their own and whatever. And uh, I thought, well, I'm not good enough or whatever. I'm not as good as Kresgen. Anyway. So, uh, you know, a short time after my becoming a, a magician and learning the skills and being mentored in this, the amazing Kresgen was coming on TV doing a, doing a show, and my friend and I, my mentor and I, who's hope he's listening, uh, he, we began watching the amazing Kresgen. And as we watched this show, I picked out everything that man was doing and said, I could do the same thing. I could do exactly the same thing that he's doing and pawn myself off as some kind of psychic or using mental telepathy to make things do whatever. And he was just a magician that really had made a name for himself. But people were being fooled. So when I say we should, you know, who do we go to as, a, as an expert in psychic phenomena, paranormal, it's hard to trust anybody because if I pawn myself off as, yeah, I'm a person who um, who could sense when a ghost is in a house and I could walk into any house and say, oh, yes, there's a sighting here. What have you experienced? Yes, of course. Well, that's that's a dead relative that uh, doesn't want you here. And we have to exercise the, ho- exercise the house, you know. Now, I'm, I'm making a little light of it right now. I'm sorry. For those of you who may have gone through this, I will be discussing that later. So bear with me. All I'm saying is that it's very, very simple to fool people because you tell them things they want to hear. All right. I could put a sign up on my front yard, parapsychology, uh, par- paranormal psychologist, demonologist, whatever. And believe me, man, I could I could I would be able to fool you and make you think that you're having a, an issue. And uh, of course, feeding information is, you know, whatnot. Uh, anyway, so. Again, who do we turn to as a expert in the supernatural? I'll let you think about that for a quick second. For those of you who got the right answer, yeah, we turn to God. We have in our possession the most accurate book written on the supernatural, and that is the Bible. Yeah. Now, the Warrens quoted it quite a bit, and based on their expertise on stories that it contains regarding demon possession. However, if you look into the scriptures, it has a lot to say about the paranormal. It does. Believe it or not, there's a lot in the Bible about the paranormal. Okay? The term ghost is used several times in the Bible, as well as the term spirit. Now, I'm not talking about the terms referring to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, or Holy Ghost. Putting those aside, I'm talking about... uh, like when Jesus' disciples saw him walking on the water coming to him, they thought he was a ghost. And he said, have no fear, it is I. All right? The, there are many examples. That's just one. Here's another example. 
We're going to talk about the time when King Saul was getting ready to do, bat to do battle against the Philistines. But the Lord had left Saul. He'd left him. Saul was disobedient in a lot of things that he did, and God had left him. So that's it. I'm done with you. So Saul, wanting to get a prediction of the outcome, he consulted the witch of Endor. And I've always liked that name, the witch of Endor. It reminds me of the movie um, uh, Captain Horatio Hornblower. Is that one story? He, he kidnapped the ship called the Witch of Endor and brought it back. But that's where it comes from. It comes from this passage in, uh, in the Bible, the Witch of Endor, and ordered her to call up the spirit of Samuel the prophet. Now, a ghostly figure of an old man appeared, and he, the, the witch was even startled. She went, uh, you know, here she was supposedly able to do all this, but when a real demonic figure, a real ghost, let's use that for right now, a real ghost appeared, ah, even she was scared. Now, the figure scolded Saul and told him that he would lose the battle and his sons were going to die, and we know that happened just very shortly afterwards. So the Bible is very, very clear that a spiritual realm exists beyond human eyes. It is populated by God and his angels, Satan and his fallen, demon, uh, fallen angels or demons. There is life after death. I'm here to tell you that right now. There is life after death. But once a person dies, his soul is either taken to heaven or to hell. All right? Hebrews 9.27 says, It's appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. All right? Now, the most graphic story about life after death is from Jesus. Now, I want to read this, this story to you. And uh, we're going to go over a few, th a few things about it, all right? So here we go. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angel to angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in hell, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom, clutching him close. Then he cried out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all of this, between us, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to there cannot, nor can those from there to here. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, would you send him to my father's house? For I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. 
But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. And that's an interesting story. Let's take a look at a few things in this passage. First of all, a lot of people call this a parable. I don't believe it is. This is not a parable. Jesus never told a parable and called men's names in it. And yet he mentions Lazarus. He also says there was a man. Now, either there was or there wasn't. All right. Third, if you will notice that when Lazarus died, he was taken immediately to Abraham's bosom. The rich man died and was buried and being in torments, use the plural there, in hell. Fourth, as the rich man begged Abraham to send Lazarus, Lazarus back to warn his father and brothers, Abraham said that they have the law and Moses to listen to. The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if one comes back from the dead, they will repent. And Abraham told him that if they don't listen to the law and the prophets, then they won't believe even though someone comes back from the dead. Now this seems to indicate that once a person dies, his soul or her soul or spirit goes to one of two places immediately. Now there is no indication in Scripture that points out that a soul can come back from the dead or be bound to the earth for some reason waiting to cross over. Now, it must be said here that Jesus' description from this story, there seems to be two separate compartments of hell, and let me explain. We see that there is a part called Abraham's bosom or paradise. Now, this is the place of the righteous dead. Now, you will notice that Jesus didn't say that Lazarus went to heaven, but rather to a place to be comforted. While the rich man, and it's not a sin to be rich, unless your money is your God, is sent to hell, a place of torments. This is the place of the wicked dead. You see, before the compartment called Abraham's bosom uh, is now empty. Uh, why? Because after Jesus died, he made and made the sacrifice in heaven, sprinkled his blood on the altar. Remember, everything we see in the Old Testament is a like or shadow of what actually takes place in heaven. So when we see the God sprinkling or Jesus sprinkling his blood on the mercy seat for the redemption of those who have sinned, all right. He went to hell or to paradise and led those righteous dead after preaching the gospel to them and taking them to heaven. All right. This is the place that Jesus told the thief on the cross. Today you will be with me in paradise. All right. So. Uh, so this is the place that the righteous dead went because they were not totally sanctified because Christ had not yet been been. Um, had not died for the sins of mankind. Now, so this was, wasn't heaven, but it was a place of comfort. God was not going to send the righteous people like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, Daniel, you know, he's not going to send these guys into a place of torment, but he can't let them into heaven either. So there was a pl special place called paradise, Abraham's bosom, that was apparently set up so that these people their souls could be comforted in waiting for the Messiah to come. Now, when Jesus arrived there, can you imagine that? Daniel, what is it you're looking for? Oh, I'm looking, you know, uh, uh, oh, I, I'm looking for the, the, the angel that saved me from the lions. Uh, you know, I mean, look, you know, <laughs> Ezekiel, what are you looking for? I'm looking for that wheel within the wheel. So, so here, Jesus is telling them here, that was me. I'm the one you've been waiting for. 
And he led those people out. And so that side, paradise, is empty. Now, the other side is still occupied and will remain so until the white throne judgment when this compartment of hell will be emptied and those souls will give an account of their lives before God. They will stand before God at the white throne judgment, according to the book of Revelation, and give an account of themselves and what they've done. That's bad. So now, as far as the paranormal is concerned, all right, there's no such, so I want to put this very clear and make this very, very clear and, and, and to understand. There is no in-between. There's no purgatory. There's nothing. You can't wait. There's, there's no, it's either heaven or hell, turn or burn. Okay, that's your options. Now, I know that sounds harsh, but as I said, this is the truth. All right? So as far as paranormal, paranormal activity is concerned, there are no such things as the dead occupying homes or cemeteries or you know, mailboxes or, or a doll or whatever. That is out, all right? Nobody from a, that has died is hanging around your house. The Bible says that can't happen. Once you die, you either go to heaven with him now because those who are saved will be directly absent with the body, present with the Lord. They will be with Jesus. But if you're if you have not accepted Christ, then your destination is hell. And it's a place of torment until the great white throne judgment, when you'll get some relief, at least from the pain, as you stand before God, but you're going to be in pain because he is going to be pointing out all of the things you've done bad, and you'll be sent to the lake of fire to burn forever and ever and ever. All right, so that's pretty harsh, but that's what the Bible says, all right? So, no ghosts, all right? But de demonic activity is another issue altogether. Now, the Bible teaches very, very clearly that there are spirit beings that can connect and they, they can connect with and appear in our physical world. They're, they are angels and demons. And we see in the Bible that angels appear to men constantly. All right? The visitation to Mary announced the birth of Christ. That would be one of the good things. I have seen an angel. Now he wasn't glowing and, and, and things like that. But let me tell you, I'll tell you that story. All right, here's a good story about an angel. And God watches over you, and you don't know how many times angels have intervened for you in your life. Okay? But I saw one angel in my lifetime. All right? And uh, let me explain. We were at a, I was with my wife. And three children, young at the time. And my youngest boy, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy and Eric were in the water at a lake. We were up in New Hampshire, and there was a lake there. And uh, I put them in the water. It was only, you know, water was only, I don't know, yay deep. It wasn't very deep. I had to let them to play. And I turned around to walk back to my wife. And as I turned around, she says, where's, where's Jeremy? And I turned and looked, and I saw Eric playing blissfully out there, but I couldn't see Jeremy. I realized that he may be in trouble, so I beelined to where he was. Now, coming from the right-hand side of me, I'll never forget what he looked like. You know, he was a man in a black bathing suit, and he beelined towards me as well, so we were, like, intersecting each other towards that thing. I saw Jeremy in the water. He was struggling to breathe. I ripped him up out of the water. This man, I remember him touching my right shoulder. I said, oh, you know, and, 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 and I said, Jeremy, you okay? And he was fine. He was breathing. And I walked him back, took Eric. We walked back to the beach. And this guy started to walk with me. 
And I turned to thank him, and he wasn't there. I looked around on that beach. I could not find that man. And the funny thing was, nobody else had reacted. Not the lifeguards, nobody else on the beach. Nobody did. <clears throat> now, you could say, well, Sal, there are, there are legitimate explanations for that. You can keep those. As far as I'm concerned, that man was an angel coming and putting his hand on my shoulder to comfort me and said it's going to be okay. You know? So there are good appearances of angels. Now, a bad appearance of an angel, I'm talking about a, a, an angel from God, not a demon, but a bad appearance would be an example of Balaam, the prophet. Now, Balaam was offered money by the king of Moab to curse the children of Israel as they came through the land. And the prophet wasn't going to do it at first. He asked God, should I go and curse these people? And God said, of course not. They're my people. They're, they're blessed by me. Don't you mess this up. But he decided that the profits, with the money that he was going to earn, was kind of good. So he decided he was going to go and curse the Israelites for this money. Now, he was stopped by an angel with a flaming sword. How do we know that? Well, Balaam's donkey saw the angel blocking the road. So it took off into a field. And he saw the angel again, so he slammed up against a wall, almost breaking uh, Balaam's ankle in the process. And Balaam got off the donkey and started beating the donkey. Hey, you stupid donkey. And the donkey spoke and said, why are you beating me? I'm only trying to save your life. And just then, the angel of the Lord appeared and made his presence known to Balaam and told him if that donkey hadn't reacted, I was here to take your head because you weren't going to stop. I was here to kill you. So angels can intercede in a lot of different ways. Now, demons can appear to us as well. Now, they are fallen angels who rebelled against God, and they are evil, deceptive, and destructive. Now, remember, fallen angels, and they still would still have the same power of angels. They can appear and disappear within our world, and they can make physical changes to things, all right? Now, 2 Corinthians tells us that demons can masquerade as angels of light and servants of righteousness. So to appear as a ghost impersonating a deceased human well, it seems to be within their power and ability to do so. All right, now, the closest biblical example of a haunting. All right, so there's, we talk about, you know, well, what about demonic hauntings? And all right, so Sal, you're saying this ghost is is actually a demon that's wreaking havoc and causing people, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But the closest biblical example of hauntings is found in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. See, a demon-possessed man was living in a place called Gerasinus. Gerasinus, I can't pronounce it. I thought it was something else, but anyway. Anyway, he was there, and Jesus came across the lake, uh, and he said he would he, he would hang but this guy this demon possessed guy would hand out would hang out uh, around the tombs with the dead and he couldn't be contained even with chains he, he, they put him they chained him arms and legs and they broke free of the chains he would cry out and cut himself with stones so he was very feared by the people around now when this man Je saw Jesus he ran and fell at Jesus's knees in front of him and shouted at the top of his voice what do you want with me Jesus son of the most high god in God's name, don't torture me. See, Jesus cast out the demons. There were more than one. He's, he, how do we know? Jesus asked the demon, what is your name? And the demon answered, legion, for we are many. 
Now Jesus cast him into a herd of pigs, 2,000 of them, and when the demons entered them, they went nuts and drowned themselves into the sea. And there are multiple times in the Bible when someone was possessed and the demon was driven out. We are used to the word exorcism from movies such as the exorcism and alike. But demon possession is real, and I have no doubt that they are able to do stuff that would imitate a ghost and lead people away from the truth and keep them in darkness. Now, why? 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, which is the image of God. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 says, The Spirit clearly says that in latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Colossians 2.12 And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. What does that mean? Made a public spectacle. Well, do you know, excuse me one second, let me just take a quick drink. We're going on a little longer today, and I have a lot more to cover, so I want to make sure I get this in today. So Bible says that he disarmed the powers and authority. So the d- demons have no authority or power anymore. Because Jesus made a public spectacle of them. Now that means, in, you know, if, in the Roman times, when, uh, when they would capture a nation, they would, they would bring the kings and stuff like that and drag them through the streets, making a public spectacle of them, saying, look what our king, Roman king, has done. They have uh, took, taken the power and authority away from this king, and now he's being one of our servants and we just and has to listen to what we have to say. And this is what Jesus did. He made a public spectacle of them because of the cross. Now be warned. Just because you are a Christian doesn't mean that you should be going around casting out demons here and there. In the book of Acts, chapter 19, verses 13 through 16, tells a story of a group of men who tried to cast out a demon when God didn't tell them to. Now, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Now, seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish Jewish, uh, high priest, or chief priest, excuse me, were doing this. And one day, the evil spirit answered them and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, But who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Seven of them. Okay? They had no business being there. All right. So seances, mediums, and the people who attend them are playing a very dangerous game in trying to contact the dead and doing all these things. Okay, they're paying their, their hopes to contact the dead, to see how they're doing. Maybe they're opening, but they're opening themselves up to demon possession, or oppression, and most certainly possession. Now, in preparing for the show, I told my wife that I would be mentioning the Warrens. She told me that she watched a show about the movie The Conjuring, and this is another one of the stories about um, Ed Warren. 
Now, um, in the movie, Ed performs an exorcism and the demon leaves, but in reality, what actually happened there, Lorraine conducted a seance to attempt to contact the spirits that were tormenting the family. Now, during the seance, Carolyn Perron, now she was the mother of the family, became possessed. She spoke in an unknown language and in a voice that was not hers. She became demon-possessed. The husband, Roger, kicked the Warrens out because he was worried about his wife's mental stability. Now, Hollywood doesn't tell you the truth, and I suspect that the Warrens, for all the well-meaning intentions that they, uh, that they had, they didn't heed the scriptures and began playing in an area that is forbidden by God, and this is an example of why. All right? This is a prime example you don't mess around with things that you're not supposed to be messing around with. Now, I know there is, a, I know personally, well, I don't know him personally, but I personally know of a man who has been called by God, spirit-filled, anointed, to go and to cast demons out of people. All right? That's his ministry. Now, he's called to that. I am not. I would not, if you called me and said, Sal, I have a ghost in my house or a demon in my house, I would tell you, first of all, you need to get saved. All right, you need to come to knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you need to pray that thing out of there because as a child of God, you have authority over the demons. All right? You have authority over them, and they have to listen to you. Now, it's not something I would do haphazardly because in the, in the New Testament, the disciples couldn't cast a demon out of somebody. And when Jesus came and cast the demon out, and he said, why couldn't we cast him out? He said, this type doesn't come out except by prayer and fasting. So there are some that are really dug in there, and you've got to pray, and you've got to fast, and you've got to prepare. It's not something you just walk into. But God warns us in the Old Testament that we should not be involved with these things. All right? In Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 through 14, it says, when you enter the land, the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, so that's Yahweh. When you enter the land, Yahweh, your God, is giving you. Do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or he who is a medium or spiritualist who contacts the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Because of these same detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. All right, so that seems to be pretty clear. These are detestable acts in God's sight. And I don't know, you know, uh, I don't know why the Warrens missed that. They're supposedly studying the Bible, but they missed that. The Old Testament teaches that believers are defiled by their attempts to communicating with the dead. The practice is detestable, is detestable to God. In the New Testament, instructs believers to seek guidance from God and His Spirit only. And the Bible reveals that psychic experiences are real but demonic and that deceiving spirits are counterfeits for the true spirit of god so in light of what we've read here today 
Christians should not be involved with seances, Ouija boards, tarot cards, mediums, horoscopes, magic charms, sorcery, ad infinitum, ad nauseum. If you have turned to any of these hoping that you will find your future or find an answer to a problem or like you want to talk to a past relative or whatever, you need to ask God to forgive you and renounce those things. Now, remember when I spoke about the sons of Sceva being beaten by a demon? Well, listen to what happened next after they had been beaten and ran out naked. Now, when this has become known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, what just happened to those guys, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to about 50,000 drachmas. In that way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. It would not have grown in power if those people didn't repent. The sons of Sceva did something they weren't supposed to do. They got attacked. Fear came into the hearts of the people. The people then said, oh, I can't be involved in this. It's time for me to repent. And they burned their, their books and whatever and confessed openly of their things. So if you've done this and you're a Christian, ask forgiveness. If you're not saved, don't hesitate. The time is short and the Lord's return is imminent. If you want information on how to be saved, contact me through my website, thetruthmustbetold.org, or private message me through Facebook. Now, I hope this show was informative to you. I ask you to please pass it along with others, to others, and uh, please walk with Jesus and contact me if you have any questions about things. God bless you and have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. We'll see you on Tuesday.